and welcome to the podcast that discusses all things gaming. Coming to you from the home of Indie Popcon, Gen Con, and the gaming capital of the world, we are The Established Facts. Hey everybody, uh, welcome to episode 203 of The Established Facts. Um, this may be a little bit of a shorter one than we normally do, but uh, we're here at In Conjunction. Uh, if you are not familiar with In Conjunction, we'll talk a little bit more about that convention as well. But before we get into that, I would love for us to introduce everybody that's sitting around the table. So I'll go ahead and start to my left. This is Josh. This is Brian. And of course, this is your host, Big Don. Now, as you have heard, we have a new friend, uh, Brian. Um, Brian, please uh, give us a little bit of information on um, who you are and why we want to know who you are and what you're doing. Sure. Uh, my name is Brian Donahue. I am an author and the owner of Section 28 Publishing, uh, which is a publishing imprint where we do uh, urban fantasy, urban paranormal, uh, both uh, fiction novels, novellas, stories, as well as a brand new role-playing game that actually dropped here at In Conjunction called Hidden Worlds Incursion. Hidden Worlds Incursion. Now, um, for those of you who are not familiar with In Conjunction, we'll kind of give you a short blurb about them. It is, uh, I believe this is the 39th In Conjunction that they've had, which is incredible. It's a yearly convention that they have uh, on the northeast-ish side of Indianapolis, um, up on uh, like the 21st and Shadeland area for those of you who are locals and for those of you who are not, I apologize for not giving you a map. Um, <laughs> Just look on the map. <laughs> That's right. So uh, this is a sci-fi fantasy convention, um, but I find that there's a lot of other really fun stuff going on as well. Uh, a lot of people, actually a lot of people walking around in costume and cosplay and things like that, but um, I met Brian through uh, our friend Jason Piercy. Uh, who I think talked to you a little bit in the vendor hall before yes. I got a chance to meet you yep. about um, about what you are uh, what you're kind of just trying to spread to everybody and, yes. and so I would really love to kind of get into um, as I like to say your thing like what what uh, tell us a little bit about um, sure is broken world. You, uh, Correct. Incur the Worlds of Incursion. World of Incursion. World of Incursion. Thank yep. you. Um, yeah, tell us a little bit about World of Incursion and, and kind of what you're bringing to the gaming table. Sure. So the World of Incursion is my fictional universe. Uh, it's a modern day. Well, currently is a modern day. I have a timeline that goes all the way back to pre-colonial times. And I have a timeline that in my head goes several thousand years in the future. Oh, cool. Uh, which will give you some idea of what's coming. Um, so the World of Incursion set in the modern or near future, uh, the old tagline, five minutes in the future type tagline, um, is much like our world, but the critters that go bump in the night, the, the, the myths, the, the creatures that are the, the stories of nightmares are true. So, what is out there, the, the, the myths such as uh, Bigfoot, or 
um, the Jersey Devil, that sort of thing. Those are actually, everything has at least a little bit of a grain of truth in there. They are potentially th uh, true. Uh, we also have the idea that the collective psyche, um, the, the human collective psyche is powerful enough that sometimes where the barrier between our world and other worlds grows thin, the collective negative psyche can cause a rip and draw energy or creatures through. So that's where we get our vampires, that's where we get our werewolves. That's how the fae got introduced to our world. Uh, fae, fairies, elves, dwarves, trolls, that sort of thing. Um, and it's also a world where aliens are real, ghosts are real and active, and so it's, it's kind of this world, uh, we call it the hidden worlds, the stuff that seems normal on the surface, but they're the, the things that go bump in the night actually do go bump in the night. That's very cool. And I think I may have accidentally called it Broken Worlds, but Hidden Worlds it's is, hidden worlds, is yeah. a much better name. Yeah. I'm glad you came up with that one because <laughs> mine was garbage. Um, <laughs> uh, so, you know, one thing that Josh and I love to do when we're talking to people who are kind of introducing new games and new game systems and things like that is to talk to them about, especially because we love role-play games. Sure. Um, I love to find out, first of all, what was your inspiration to kind of open the door to the world of incursion? And then also, um, why do you feel like the world of incursion is is something different? How, and how is it? You know, things sure. like that. Like, kind of, kind of open that up, unpack sure. that for us. Uh, uh, it goes back. 20 plus years, probably approaching 25 years. Okay. Uh, I got invited to play with a game, play a game uh, with a friend of mine named Troy, who's actually with me here this weekend. Um, he was running what he wanted to, they were trying to design a new role playing game. Originally, it was going to be uh, the working tagline was Elves in Space. So it was the, okay. Tol <laughs> it was the Tolkien, Tolkien races in a sci fi setting. Gotcha. All right. Um, worked with him for years. We uh, actually joined the company uh, as a designer and as a partner later. Um, downside is that we made some poor personnel choices. Sure. Uh, and some other poor choices. And so we ended up breaking up the company very amiably. Good. Okay. Again, he's here with me t today, right. this weekend. So very amiable. Uh, we were main best friends. Um, but we had the rule, we set the rule legally in documents and everything, that all the stuff that we had built together is open for anybody to use. Absolutely anybody can use it. Any of the partners can use it in whatever they want to do. So after I took about a year off of gaming totally because I was burnt out and fried, uh, I started a homebrew campaign picking and choosing the little bits of stuff that I liked from what we had and developing what needed to be developed. Um, in fact, right now the uh, the folder on my Dropbox is actually still listed as homebrew. Cool. That's where all the documents are. Right. Sure. So, um, and I specifically left it that way to remember where it came from. Yeah. Uh, but um, fast forwarding a little bit, uh, I started, so we started playing this game, played it for a long time, it became this game that it is now, and I was running a campaign 
um, that was a it was a vampire hunting campaign with a bunch of brand new secret agents from the secret government agency that tries to keep a lid on uh, tries to keep a lid on the on the bad guys on the, on the monsters and keep them out of the public eye. Okay, um, the campaign was fun enough that I decided to write it down and publish it as a book, as a novel. And that's where my first book uh, in the Night's Bane trilogy came from. Okay, uh, Incursion Nightmare. Um, and so that kind of started developing the world even more. Well, I'd finally found my setting for the game I was running. So we married the mechanics in the setting. I finally got off my keister and actually developed and wrote it out because most of us run everything on notes. You know? Yeah. Um, but I finally sat down and actually wrote out all the rules, uh, worked with my playtester to really nail down everything, and then wrote the, the setting for this world that I have. I now had a trilogy, several short stories, a couple novellas, and more bigger plans for. And so going through that, I decided to, let's go ahead and publish the game. And so we kickstarted it in March. Um, I kickstarted it when the first draft was basically done. So I knew I would actually be ready for a July launch. Nice. Uh, so I actually am on time with my Kickstarter. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's fantastic. That's un- unusual. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> um, so that's that's where kind of the background of the story is. What makes it different is a brand new mechanic uh, for role playing games. Uh, it it uh, it is a single d twenty. Um, no classes, no levels. It is skill-based mechanics, so when you're rolling skill checks, it's actual skill checks. Um, but it is story-based advancement. So what you do during the, the play session is how you advance your character during the game. So uh, let's say you may be the combat fighter, the, the gun bunny of the group, and you decide to... Um, uh, you don't actually get into a gunplay that session, but you actually do diplomacy. Well, the good, the cool thing is, is that now you may not gain any points in your gun skills, but you may actually gain diplomacy skills that session. So it is incremental, smaller increments, but it's incremental advancement, but it's session based. And I think yesterday when you and I were kind of talking a little bit about like an overview of the of the kind of mechanics of the game and things like that. One of the things that came to my mind was, uh, or, or came into our conversation, uh, was you were saying that a lot of the um, character development is actually in the background development of the character before you ever start playing, yes. correct? Yeah. yeah. So, in, so all of your skills, all your starting skills in this game start with your background. So in character development, you start with the education of the character. How far up they went, what they majored in, if they go to college, did they graduate high school, all of that. Um, plus you add in all the life stuff, significant others, children's, uh, children, fam- friends, contacts, enemies, and then you start talking about careers. So what did they do for a living? Uh, and they may have multiple careers, they may have multiple jobs within a career, but how long have they been in a career? And then you have hobbies. And it's not just a small list of hobbies. It's whatever hobby you want. So we actually, one of the sample hobbies in the, in the book is actually a role-playing gamer. Uh, oh, cool. Okay. So it's, it's real-life stuff. Yeah. Um, 
and all of those, your education, your career, and your hobbies, that is your skill, starting skills, and your starting equipment list. That is all generated by your character background. And then you, the final part of your character creation is what we call the incursion event. It's how your character encountered the hidden worlds. So did they meet Bigfoot face to face? Did they see an alien? Did they get abducted by an alien? Did they meet a fae? Did they, you know, there's, there's a couple questions that you ask, which does have ramifications for your character. Uh-huh. But it's also how your character is now, now knows that the weird stuff is real. If, if, if you don't mind me taking the liberty of saying this, it reminds me a lot of, uh, and I'm a huge fan of the Supernatural television series. Yep. It reminds me a lot of, not necessarily like the main characters and everything, but it's like the people that worked in the comic book store that were affected by the weirdo ghost. Yes. Now all of a sudden, everything that they had heard about that they thought was just fairy tale and ghost stories is real things. It's no longer fairy tale and ghost stories. And it's like, how does your character deal with that? And where do you go to develop your knowledge and your skills and your things like that in order to be able to cope with that. Yeah, and that's... Uh, it's funny that you bring up Supernatural because, yes, that is very much the case. It's, it's how do you deal with that after you've done that as a normal person mm-hmm. going about everyday life? And uh, with a Supernatural side, with my fiction, I get a lot of people who say, well, that sounds like you know Supernatural. So the, the, um, the Night's Bane trilogy is about a secret government team of monster hunters trying to save the world sure. and not die. Trying being that which is the always the goal. It's always the goal. It's always the goal. It's not always the result. <laughs> right. It's always the goal. That's right. As, as we like to say, rule number one is don't die. Rule and number two is double tap. There, I, there you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, so I have people say, "Well, you know what? You know, this sounds like a lot like supernatural." And I say, "Well, it is, but their badges are real." <laughs> right. Exactly. Yep. So. Um, yeah, so, the, so that's kind of the game. So your character starts out as someone now who is aware of the worlds and either is going to be part of this secret agency, this government agency that, that hunts monsters, or part of a private organization, and there are those out there who also hunt monsters with, if not permission, at least ignorance, uh, um, official ignorance from the government. Gotcha, okay. gotcha. So it's just kind of a... Yeah, we know you're here, but we're not going to... Exactly. We're just going to leave you alone. Exactly. Yeah. You do enough good stuff and you don't screw too much up, Yeah. you're fine. We're going to let you go. <laughs> um, the, the couple of other things that make the game unique are our combat system. I describe our combat system as quick and deadly for characters and quick for players. Uh, I usually run a table of six to eight players at any one time. Which is a good amount of players. Mm-hmm. That's a big amount of That's players. A, that, yeah. However, our combats run about 45 minutes uh, long. Okay. That's it. So it's not... Out of, uh, out of how, for example, out of how long of a session would a 45-minute long combat maybe? Uh, my sessions run three, four, five hours. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so that's, nor- yeah normal that's good. Game session, that's real good. If we get into combat, I don't fear getting into combat because it's not going to screw up the session. It's quick and dirty. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's quick and dirty, and that's the way, that's the way we want it. You know? Right. Um, we do uh, combat is really interesting it breaks down each combat round is four different um, phases uh, phases thank you 
It's all right. That's right. Been a long day. As I was yeah. going to say, it's been a long day, a long weekend so, so far. So there's four, four different phases. First one is declarations. Everybody goes around the table and, and declares what they're doing for their actions. Mm-hmm. So all of their actions, including movement. Uh, movement is a, is a regular action, not a separate thing. Okay? Um, and then we do initiative. So yes, every round you roll initiative. And you, every, every one of your actions happens at a different initiative point based on your initial roll. So if you had three actions, mm-hmm. you would roll an initiative for each one of those actions? No. To, okay. For, so if you have three actions, uh, let's say you roll a 22 for your initiative. Your first action goes off at 22. Your second one goes off at 19. Okay. So, um, so, so Sorry, go ahead. Just to reiterate, you were saying that you have separate actions, and then you're going to roll initiatives for those yes. actions. So you, so you roll your initiative. Each then, you, starting with the the what you rolled, each action happens at it starts with that, and then three at, minus three after that. Okay. So that okay. weaves everything together, and that also avoids the old syndrome of okay, it's your turn to go in this fight. I'm going to go get coffee. Correct. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah absolutely. We've all been there to that. Oh game. yeah. Um, and so that was phase two of, of initiative. Phase three is resolution, where you go around in uh, initiative order and resolve your actions. So you roll the dice for your attack. You're going to make your movement, whatever. The bad guys are making theirs at the same time because they live on the same initiative scale. And But you don't know the actual resolution. You don't know if you hit. You don't know if they hit you. You know you're making a defensive roll, but you don't know if they hit you or not. That comes in the fourth phase, which is our weaving. That's where, after everybody's done their actions, the GM goes in and weaves the story together. So, you took a shot at that big bad guy. However, that vampire came over and hit you, and you did, and you took thirteen points of damage, while that person took, you know, sixty-two points of damage, and and on and on and on. And now, new round. So let's start over. What are you going to do? And that's how combat goes. Okay. So it's much more story-based, much more narrative-based than just, I hit, great, you did 14 points of damage, move on. Right. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool. Uh, the other thing that we have is we have a, an open magic system. We call it faith. It's not faith in a, not necessarily faith in a traditional religion. It is uh, faith in something, faith in some belief system, enough faith to get power from it. Right, to manifest some sort right. of something. So I've had characters who had faith in uh, the current campaign I'm running. It's very tongue-in-cheek. It's in a, it, I, I pushed them into a fantasy realm within the game of Hidden Worlds Incursion. So we're already levels deep of meta, and one of the guys is a GM that GMs Hidden World's Incursion. <laughs> so his faith is in the game system itself wow. when he casts abilities. Wow. He also has to roll a d20 to cast. Sure. Doesn't have to roll anything particular on it, but he has to actually roll it to cast. So it's, you know, it doesn't have to be belief in anything specific, but it has to be a powerful belief. Gotcha. Sure. Um, but what we do is it's completely... It's very Masonic. Open. It is. <laughs> um, we have this, uh, so the system is, there's no spell list. We c- you can't create a spell list like this. Mm. So it's very open. We have a couple charts. If you want to create a new ability, you get with your GM, and you say, okay, here's what I want to do. I want to be able to 
throw a fireball. Okay, how powerful do you want it to be? What kind of damage do you want to do? How far away do you want to be able to throw it? How big a spread is it? And how do you want to deliver it? Okay, once you have all those factors, that generates a target number to roll. If you roll that, you learn the ability, you cast it, and that is a target number to cast the ability. Okay. That process also generates how much it drains from your, we call it soul pool, it's your magic pool, your mana pool, your, you know, whatever. Right, the resource that you the resource, drain in order right. to actually It's the cast pool it. that you drain. Yeah. Right. So that's the, um, so that's the faith system in a nutshell. Really. Okay. Um, the other thing that we have that's very different is we call uh, it's it's how we measure things. It's one of the ways that speeds up combat. It's one of the ways that makes it much easier as a GM to do. All oh, right, you were telling me about like it's the curve. distance, the cur- yes. yeah, the curve. So yeah. we have the curve. So anywhere we can, we've abstracted specific numbers. Right. So the curve, the, uh, for distance, the curve is something like uh, a distance of one is close enough to touch. Distance of two is across the room. How big a room? A normal room. I'm not giving you feet. It's not 12 feet, 6 inches. Right. It's a normal room. <laughs> right. Three is next room over. Four is across a yard. How big a yard? A normal yard. Whatever you're thinking will work, you know. Uh, five is across a parking lot. Six is... A, a city block, right? And it ramps up from there. Okay. So that's the uh, so that's where that uh, curve takes place. And what that does is that allows you to do a lot more visualization during combat. You're no longer counting squares. You're no longer counting inches. Trying to figure out uh, five, ten. Oh wait, that's the second double. So that's ten more feet. Right. That's, yep. You know. You, Oh yeah, we it's know that. Less, we it's know that. less mechanically clunky, Very. and it's more narrative friendly. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's what I'm hearing most of. I'm hearing that from we've heard it from quite a few different game designers that there's a lot of you know, the big guys here, your Pathfinders and your Dungeons and Dragons, are sticking to the squares and sticking to the numbers because people like fine. to crunch numbers. Sure. Yeah. You're there is a new group of developers coming around that are really trying to focus on. We, I, I love how Derek would say it. it was, we're not playing a role playing game. We are doing a, we are telling cooperative, cooperative stories. And as yes, that is we are. It, this is a cooperative game. You're building the world together. Yes, and having a blast doing it. Right. Yeah. If you die. So right. by twice. Yeah. It's yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> right. You know, we it, and we've had that comment quite yeah. a few times. Sometimes death or the mistake is better for the game than the success. Well, and it's a better narrative. Yeah. Because yeah. now all of a sudden, if your character happens to die, the rest of the people in your party have something to lose. So we have a very uh, fun mechanic. Uh, fate has their fate chip that you can make stuff happen mm-hmm. automatically. We have what we call a destiny point. We have the destiny rule. Uh, the assumption is every character has some higher destiny to be in this world. So one of the resources that you can get in advancement is a destiny point. You start with one. They are the rarest to get. You have to story play your butt off to be awarded one for advancement. But it is, I call it the ultimate get out of death free. Okay. It is both a retroactive retcon or a proactive this will happen. Gotcha. When you bring it up, you collaborate with the GM and say, look, Here's what I want to do. Um, so let's say you're in a combat situation and your character takes way too much damage and dies. 
You have a destiny point. Great. I have a destiny point. I'm going to save my character. Well, how did your character get saved? The GM's got to say, all right, how does it work? What happened? Right. Now, whatever whatever you agree on goes off automatically. There's right. no rules involved. Right. It goes off. When the but building when I, exploded, I was behind a desk, which uh, happened to be right in front of a door. The, and, guy, the guy who shot me hit me. You know what? I always carry my grandpa's flask yeah. in my, in my left cool. breast pocket. Right. It hit the flask. It stopped it. Right. Tended the heck out of it, right. you know. But, <laughs> and now I'm mad, and now I got knocked down. Right. But I'm saved. I didn't, it didn't yeah. actually kill me. Okay. Yeah, it makes Absolutely. sense. Absolutely. That's great. And it's the same way. It's actually proactive as well. You can actually use it. I had um, instance in one of my play, in one of my games, I had tossed them into a, a high-rise building in the middle of a New York that was actually under attack by demons. Um, you know, like you do. Chaotic Evil GM. Yeah. Thursdays. 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 <laughs> um, Friday nights, actually. Oh, but, okay, there we go. <laughs> um, they had uh, they had taken care of a few of the stuff that I thought was going to take harder, be harder. They took care of them way too easily. They rolled really well. So I tossed a major demon at them oh, that wow. appeared in the room with them. Everybody was floored. Everybody was immediately hit with this mind-controlling, you know, fear except for the one guy who actually had a high faith. He said, you know what? I, I burned all my, my soul pool. I need, I'm going to use a destiny point. I want to call upon heaven. It was actually, uh, his faith was actually a Christian faith. Okay. So, you know, I want to call upon heaven to learn immediately to recharge my pool and to be able to banish this demon and save everybody. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. yes. Yeah. So that's what happened. He didn't that's have great. to fight it. He, that was a, yep, epic story moment yeah. and worth every bit of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's the that's the destiny rule that we have, which is really fun. Yeah. That's really cool. That's so. really awesome. Well, uh, Brian, I want to thank you so much for hanging out with us and talking to us about... Uh, Absolutely. The World of Incursion and Hidden Worlds Incursion. Where can they find you? Yes. Um, I'm on Facebook at Facebook um, at Incursion Legends, uh, incursionlegends.com, or on Twitter, author Brian D. Brian D. Okay. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much. Um, one quick thing as well. Uh, where else can we see you? What else do you have coming up on Oof. Docket? Uh, I have got a lot of cons from here on out, which is awesome. So, uh, at the end of this month, I'll be at Kogan Con in Grand Haven, Michigan. It's a little, little con with a lot of fun. Okay. Um, August, I'm at Grand Con in Grand Rapids. Okay. Uh, that's a gaming convention. I'm a guest there, so that's going to be fun. Um, I think September, I believe it's September, is Capital City Comic Con in Lansing. Okay. October, I know I'm going to be at Con on the Cob, which is in uh, Cleveland, Ohio. Love which that I name. love that name. That's <laughs> I mean, incredible. And I'll tell you what, if you have not looked at their website, holy crap, you're going to laugh. Okay. okay. They All did right. not take themselves seriously. It's awesome. Good. Um, I can't wait to be there. Uh, and uh, then I wrap up my year at Grand Rapids Comic Con in November. All right. Uh, for now, I may end up in, uh, Michigan native? I am. I'm from Grand okay. Rapids, Michigan. Okay. okay, very cool. And uh, what's funny is that a lot of my stories, a lot of the, the whole second book of my trilogy, and 
is in Grand Rapids and the third book ends up in Grand Rapids because awesome. why not? Yeah, yeah. why not? Why so. not? That's awesome. Well, that's an awesome nod to uh, to your hometown and, and uh, your home area. And uh, I want to thank you so much for, A, hanging out with us, and B, coming all the way down to Indianapolis for uh, In Conjunction. And uh, we definitely at the Established Facts wish you the best of luck. Thank definitely you very much. go and check out um, the World of Incursion, and Hidden World Incursion, and, and all of your books. Section Twenty Eight Publishing. Yeah, absolutely. Thank yep. you. Uh, the the game will be available since this is launch weekend. It's not available right now on my website. Right. But as of next week, I will have it available for order, so you can actually get signed copies. So mid July. Yeah, mid July. You'll be able to order signed copies before they're actually available at Barnes Noble and Amazon. Hey, Amazon. all right. And so. then once they are released, you'll be able to get them at all your yep. kind of major... All those all those places. Awesome. Yep. Awesome. Well, we look forward to seeing that. And uh, uh, thank you so much, Brian. Um, thank you, guys. We definitely uh, have had a really good time so far at In Conjunction. We've still got a whole day left, but uh, I don't know how much more recorded content <laughs> yeah. we'll be able to get. It's all right. Um, First time here. That's right. I think First we'll time be back. here. A lot of fun at In Conjunction, and uh, thank you guys so much for listening to episode 203 (laughs) of The Established Facts. We know this was a little bit shorter, but we hope you enjoy the content. Make sure you go and check out uh, Brian Donahue and all of his stuff, and we will check you later. Bye. Bye. Please visit us at www.theestablishedfacts.com and our Facebook page, facebook.com slash theestablishedfacts. If you'd like to support us by buying some merchandise, visit cafepress.com slash castingrobot. Bonus!